This podcast is brought to you by the Stevens Center for Family Business, whose mission is to support the success of family business through the generations with education, networking, and collaboration. The journey is tough, and there are ups and downs and challenges to it, but probably at one of our darkest times, we were pretty low on money. The bank was pressuring us, going to pull the loan, and we thought, this is it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ordinary People, Extraordinary Things. I'm your host, Cliff Duvinois. We would all agree that love is a powerful force, so powerful that when a man saw a beloved family member losing her independence to multiple sclerosis, and there was absolutely nothing available to help her, he said to himself, there must be a better way. This two-time high school dropout turned HVAC business owner became an inventor, and he built into existence a way that his beloved family member could regain her independence and her dignity. This invention launched an entire industry, giving tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people their mobility every single day. Please welcome to the show the president and CEO of Amiga Mobility International, located in Bridgeport, Michigan, Beth Timi. Beth, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up? Well, I was I was born on the west side of Michigan, and then we moved to Saginaw. I was fifth out of six children in our family, and we lived in the Saginaw area the rest of our lives. Where did you go to college? So I went to Central Michigan University for my first two years. I thought I wanted to be a teacher, but then I quickly realized that health and science was my passion. So I switched to nursing, and then I took some more classes and eventually enrolled in nursing school. In the interim, to earn some money, I was working at Amigo, and I soon discovered that I had a passion for business, and because it was healthcare-related and that feeling of helping people uh, touched my heart, I made the change and stayed in business. And we're glad that you did. So let's talk. So you started working for Amigo. So then Amigo was actually a company when you joined it, and it was started by Al. Correct. So tell us a little bit about his background. Al Timmy was a plumbing and heating contractor. So he's a guy who did not love school, but loved to work. So he quit school early in the 10th grade so he could start a career. And he became a plumber and eventually starting his own business. He was very successful at it and loved the plumbing business. Then his first wife was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. They had six children. He really, she really struggled with mobility, and he pushed her in a wheelchair for the first time. And both of them felt there must be a better way. And he created, he promised to build something that would make her independent, would be fun, attractive to use. And he worked nights and weekends in his garage and created the very first three-wheeled mobility vehicle. Now, because he's got this plumbing background, HVAC background, where did he come up with the skills to do, at that time, primarily mechanical style work in in engineering? Because you're really trying to to build something that doesn't even exist. Where Where did those skills come into play? You know, I think entrepreneur, that entrepreneurial mind looks at the end result, what they're going to create and do, and they find a way. So he relied on engineers and friends and people in the community to help him 
fine-tune this vehicle and actually build some of the early versions of it. He finally gets this prototype ready. How did he go about starting to get customers? Was it directly selling to retail? Did he try to go out and get some, you know, commercial clients? How did that work? You know, it was it was a tough journey. It people always, I think, from a distance look and say, wow, they made it big. Overnight success. Right. It's not. It takes a lot of persistence. He he started by really people who had MS and were in the local MS chapter started to see the Amigo in use, and they wanted one. And so he would build a few more, really still not with the idea of creating a business, just of helping people. Oh, okay. And then as it grew, um, he went to medical supply dealers. He tried selling it direct himself. I would say the biggest part of our success came when we made the change to having Amigo customers or their family members sell the product. Nice. They could speak from the heart what the product did and how it changed their lives, and their passion could not be beat by anyone else telling the story. And our biggest sales came from that. We probably at one time had anywhere between two and 400 people across the country selling. That is absolutely amazing. And I, I have to go back and I want to touch back on this because it was it was something that I was really surprised to hear, but really Amigo started in somebody's garage. His garage. Yes. Yes. And when I start, so the company started in 1968. I joined the company in 1975 and I started in purchasing. And if you were a vendor coming to visit Amigo and you said, can I see your assembly plant? We'd put on our coats, run across the four lanes of the Dixie Highway, up the driveway, into a two-car garage, and I very proudly would open the door and say, this is our plant. Um, we got up to 100 Amigos a month built in that little two-car Sweet garage. Sweet <laughs> I know. And it was, we were so excited when we could finally build, afford to build a building on the same side as the office, and we didn't have to make that run across the highway. <laughs> And I bet you your vendors, when they go into the garage, they were just probably really surprised thinking that it was going to be some kind of like, you know, GM facility or something else like that. But nope, here we are. Yeah, we were, we were small, we're small but mighty back then. Yes. Well, 100 units a month, that's impressive. That's very impressive out of a garage. It is. And it, it really speaks to the fortitude of the people who surrounded us in the very early years. Um, we didn't have a lot of glitz and glamour to offer and a lot of perks and benefits. People came to work because they wanted to work and they loved the mission. I think that's absolutely so critical, especially when you're just starting out on some kind of an adventure, is being able to communicate that vision. Because a lot of people, when you share with them and they see what it is, and you were talking before about the you know, your customers becoming your best sales force that is out there. And so this really creates it like people think of, wow, I'm part of something special versus just I'm getting a paycheck. Right, right. People, people want to join forces if you have a definite mission. And our mission is improving lives through mobility. And it's very important to us that it, it affects the quality of what we do, the the engineering of what we do in the future of what we do. We always surround ourselves with that mission and say, does this fit our mission? And does everybody understand that mission? And it really leads to a lot of synergies and growth in the business. I think it also applies to when you truly understand your vision or your why of why you're doing it, this is what carries you through the lean times. 
Absolutely. I, we go back every once in a while and we read the uh, testimonials from our customers. And that is so inspiring how we've changed so many people's lives. You know, some of our favorite famous customers were um, Ray Kroc, who built McDonald's. There you go. Colonel Sanders, uh, Joe Lewis, Tody Fields, uh, Richard Pryor, um, and now today, Itzhak Perlman. He plays every concert around the world sitting on his Amigo. <laughs> There's an awesome commercial right there. It is. He loves it. And uh, it, it just seeing people become so active, independent, and really, truly living a normal life with the Amigo is a huge motiv- motivator for all of our team. Certainly. What I'd like to do is I want to go back and I talk because I know that we were sharing before about, you know, the company is just getting started. It's just starting to get some traction. You're getting some sales. You're doing 100 units a month, which is still impressive. Things really start to take off, right? You're, you're, you're seeing your business grow like crazy. You're able to get the building across the street. Everything seems to be just all fine and hunky-dory, but then apparently there was some kind of a Medicaid change or Medicare change that happened that kind of threw you guys off guard. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? So our sales were growing in healthcare 50% a year. And you feel almost at the time maybe a little invincible. <laughs> um, and you're focused so much on keeping up with that growth that I don't think you always stop and look at the outside threats. But in the 80s, uh, late 80s, Um, there was a company that came into the marketplace. They actually visited Amigo to see if they wanted to get into the marketplace. They were going to buy a franchise and then decided not to. And they were named Scooter Store. And um, they named their company after they left and started the company. But it was called Scooter Store. And I'm sure everybody's seen the commercials. You can get one free. Absolutely no cost to you. And I'm going to suggest to people that when you hear something from the government that's free, it's never free. Mm-hmm. There is always a cost tied to it. But they went around and what the they found a loophole in Medicare that said the government will pay 100% of the cost of a joystick chair, but very little for a three-wheeled vehicle. And that is and so people would say to us, "Why don't you build joysticks?" We absolutely could have. But you don't put a person into a joystick chair until their mobility is extremely limited because you want them to move, hold their arms up, swivel the seat. Movement is life. And so we wanted to encourage that. And even the enticement of government money would not take us to where they wanted to be. Uh, After many years, I'm going to think 20 plus years, the government did shut them down. Oh, wow. And we're still here. And with that, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. When we return, Beth is going to share with us how Amiga Mobility survived those turbulent times, the creative ideas that allowed Amiga to be able to stabilize and grow their business, and how Amigo is helping to keep obsolete and broken motorized carts out of landfills. See you after the break. The Stevens Center for Family Business exists to support the success of family business throughout the Great Lakes Bay region of Michigan. It provides a wealth of resources that family business owners and leaders can access to leverage the unique strengths inherent in their family enterprises. 
the center provides educational opportunities about managing the often complicated combination of family and business and hosts networking events where family business leaders can share their experiences and learn from one another. Drawing on experts from around the country, the center focuses on topics and issues that are unique to family business. It emphasizes best practices to achieve optimum business results while maintaining family harmony. With programs on succession planning, preparing the next generation, communication and conflict resolution, governance, family dynamics, policy development, company culture, and many more, the Stevens Center for Family Business probes subjects that are vital to family-owned enterprises. Regardless of the size of the family business or the number of years in its history, the Stevens Center for Family Business can be a valuable resource for helping to secure the ongoing legacy of multi-generational family businesses. The Stevens Center for Family Business, where networking and knowledge meet to support the success of family-owned companies, both in their business pursuits and their family relationships. For more information, please go to the website at svsu.edu backslash Stevens Center for Family Business or contact me, Casey Stevens, Membership Coordinator at 989-964-2776. Welcome back to Ordinary People, Extraordinary Things. Today, we are talking with Beth Timi from Omigo Mobility International. Now, before the break, we were talking about this really tough period in Amigo's history. Basically, your competitors figure out a way to sell your product uh, for free uh, at the taxpayer's expense, which Uncle Sam was not happy about. You and Al, during this time, were struggling to really define a new direction for Amigo. And it was during this time, there was an extreme emphasis on sales. Like, what can we do every single day just to sell one more Amigo? Uh, Beth, if you would, walk us through how you and your team uh, survived those very turbulent times. You know, our backs are up against the wall a number of times. It's it's not all uphill, you know, or downhill, or however you want to characterize it. The journey is tough, and there are ups and downs and challenges to it. But probably at one of our darkest times, we were pretty low on money. The bank was pressuring us Um going to pull the loan and we thought we're we could be done this is it this is it and you know it's a huge responsibility not only for yourselves i mean the personal hits hard but when you look around at your people and they're paying mortgages and car payments and raising families there is a really added uh, burden and blessing to that where you don't want to let the team down and i will say that um I remember coming back from a particular tough bank meeting with Al and just looking at him and saying, you know, we could just get sad and drown in these feelings, but every day, let's work on sales. Just one more amigo, just one more. And it kind of changes your focus to moving forward rather than drowning in today. And one of the things that, that comes to mind when you say that is it's also important too, to remember that you got to keep, you got to keep your focus on what's truly important. 
And for any business out there, that's sales. You have to have that sales pipeline coming in. And it's really easy to either, I don't want to say complacent, I'll say comfortable with you know how everything is going today. And oh, I you really don't need to do it because it's going to take care of itself. But I, I, I have to agree that your decision to say, you know what, let's focus on sales. What can we do to sell one more unit today? Let's dig ourselves out of this. I, I think that's just absolutely brilliant. Thank you. And, you know, I think on, on the other side, the finance people will say they're, they're going to look at the cost side and let them do their thing. But I think our role was to build sales. And I also think, too, that from the employee standpoint, because employees can feel when a company's in trouble. So to see you putting in that extra effort to move the ball forward you know, grinding just that much harder and we're not going to give up, I, I think would also help to inspire them to sit there and say, wow, if they're not giving up, then neither am I because they've already bought into your vision. But like we talked about before, knowing that why helps to really carry you through. Right. I, I remember walking into accounting at one point and we had a young accountant there. And then we had a guy who had been with us for a few years, the senior accountant the young one put up his hands and he said, we are burned toast. <laughs> he had looked at the incoming invoices that day wow. and it was just, we're burned toast. You know, he, he, he laughed. He, he didn't see the vision and wasn't willing to go on the journey, which is fine. We respect that. But the guy who stayed with us has been with us for 33 years now. And we always talk about those tough times and, and, shake our heads a little bit, smile, there's some laughs, but there's a huge amount of gratitude for Mike that during the darkest days, and he knew what the numbers were of anybody, he knew where we were, he stayed with us. And that that's just something we'll never forget. I also think too that by going through these really tough times, has helped you to kind of get a little bit more perspective because we talk about recessions, we talk about, you know, the pandemic shutting down the world. And so it's almost like, you know what, we went through this before. We had really tough times before. So it gives you a little bit perspective, like, okay, so last time we focused on sales, maybe we should focus more on sales this time or something else like that. So how has that kind of played into your visioning of the future? Because obviously it's, it's easy to say everything's going to be roses, but you and I both know that you're going to have tough times. You're going to have those, those struggles in there. So how does that play into that? Um, you know it's coming because there is no perfect world. And so I think we address it earlier and we look at what do we think is coming? How do we shore up this business by getting into different markets so you're not solidified and 90% of your business is this market, but investing in other opportunities that take you a little out of your comfort zone maybe, but launch you into other markets. And maybe some are a little bit more recession-proof than others. And um, But I think staying with the same old gets you into the same old problem. Yes. Yes. I, I definitely would agree with that because I could see a lot of people focusing on what's working now and then just thinking that's always going to work. Right. And I, you know, I think the advice that we share with people is not because we've read books or we think it's because we live through mistakes <laughs> and we learn the hardest way possible. 
Um, and I think when you do that, you never forget that. That's true. And you really uh, work to preserve these good times. But the lesson that we learned during that tough time was when you are growing is when the time you need to think about reinventing yourself. What is the next thing you can get into? And um, so we, we've really, over the years, kind of stepped back and said, we're good at health care, but what are we really good at? We're good at batteries, motors, wheels, chargers, and controllers. How can we use those components to improve lives through mobility? So it launched us into the grocery business. We, we dabbled in that for many years, but it really, in the early 2000s, we made it a huge focus of our business. And today, it's the biggest part of our business. Wonderful. But it also launched us into industrial um, material handling carts, into the aviation business, uh, into a contract with a large automotive company as a tier two supplier. So it, it has really helped our business change and, and evolve over the years. And plus, it's opened up other revenue streams. Yes, it for has. For your business. So you're not just solely dependent upon selling an Amigo. You know, you can sell different parts of it to different industries. Correct. And then my husband, who is a true visionary, he, um, he has genius ideas every once in a while that really <laughs> change. He, he has hundreds of ideas. Well, but... genius ideas, crazy ideas. Sometimes <laughs> it's hard to tell the difference. Right. And I thought it was a crazy idea, but now we say it was a genius idea. He asked the question, what happens to all the motorized carts when they're done, when they've hit end of life? They were being thrown into landfills. So we decided, uh, we created a program where we bring them back. We bring our own brand back. We bring our competitors' brands back. We have recycling centers in Las Vegas and Michigan that take them apart, and they harvest the good parts because maybe six months before it was going to th be thrown out, a new component was put on that. So we harvest, test the good, and sell it as recertified parts on the service market. And then we properly recycle the remaining plastics and steels that are, are used. And it's phenomenal business. It is. And what I'm thinking about here as you're sharing this is, is the, the, the power of asking the question, what if? So before you were talking about how you had, you know, one cart, but now you're thinking, well, there's, you know, what if we could branch out into these other areas? What if we could take these components? What if we brought these carts back at end of life? And I think there's a lot of power in asking yourself, what if? And because, you know, somebody will come along, like you made a comment before you you said, oh, I thought he was crazy to do this, Right. And a lot of the times people say, well, what if this and somebody will come along and say, oh, that idea is crazy. Oh, that idea will never work. Well, you may be right. But what if it could? What would that look like? And now you say that, you know, it's become a, a big part of your business. You're keeping all these products on a landfill and everything else like that. So I think there's a lot of power in being able to, to ask that simple question. You know, we've gone uh, through a program for entrepreneurs that really has helped our business and and our group leader has helped us identify that, you know, we always labeled Al as an entrepreneur, but now we label him as a visionary. Nice. And I'm the integrator. And when you can pair visionaries with integrators, it's a pretty healthy balance because 
Um, I think visionaries are like the stars up in the sky. You hook yourself up to a star and you can fly. The integrators kind of bring some, uh, so they don't fly away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. And, and that's that's kind of what I picture Al and I as. Um, he is the idea guy. I'm creative, but he's the the bigger visionary. And any business needs to either have one in their business or have an advisor who's a visionary that they they truly trust. Because I think a lot of that would go back to, like we were discussing before, where the business was going really well for you, uh, but then you were getting ready to hit this you know, this dry patch, and you guys were just going to be really struggling after that. So having somebody be able to come in and ask those types of questions or be able to see the bigger vision and say, you know what, this is good for now, very happy with this. So what if we could do something else, right? And start moving in maybe a slightly different direction or open something else out. So that way, when this particular avenue, it might dry up. We never know. So having that ability to have that vision to be able to say that, I, I think would be important and good for any organization that's out there. We've worked very hard the last few years to formulate our one-year three-year, and 10-year vision. And we start by saying, what does our company look like in 10 years? What's the revenues? We paint this picture of what we envision, and we put that up there. And then within three years, where do we need to be at that point to get to the 10-year? And then at one year, what do we need to do this year to get to the three-year? And having that... um, it's not really a formality, but it's it's kind of a little bit of a structure to get our thinking farther out rather than just next year. You know, we, um, we're we very entrepreneurial-based company, so we used a system called EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, and it was developed by a guy in Michigan, Gina Wickman, in the Detroit area. And I will tell you, uh, for an entrepreneurial company, it is a very valuable system that's really kind of helped us plot out our future. Beth, if somebody's listening to this interview, they want to check out what it is that uh, you and your wonderful company are absolutely doing, uh, whether that's online, uh, what what would be the best way for them to, to connect with you? Our website really captures the type of work that we do and the culture of our company, and it's www.myamigo.com. And I also want to mention that my husband kept daily journals from the beginning of the business till today, and it captured all the stories and memories that we've gone through. He has uh, published a book that will be coming out uh, the end of the year. Nice. And it's called There Must Be a Better Way. That's great. So, uh, Beth, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today. I really do appreciate it. And uh, thank you again. Thank you. Appreciate being here. And for our audience, visit us at TotalMichigan.com. Click on Best Interview to get the links that she mentioned before. You can also hear other interviews from ordinary Michiganders who are doing some pretty extraordinary things. 